Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor and Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring and lowest prices guaranteed. Today we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, we're, we'll still take calls, but I've been getting a lot of calls about uh, air conditioning, the regulation changes. You know, there, there's some new regs coming out January 1 that is affecting a lot of the um, manufacturers, which ultimately is affecting you as the consumer. And basically what the, what they're doing is is changing the energy efficiency of the units and how they're calculating all that stuff. And some companies are even changing the coolants they're using. And well, all of this is adding up to higher prices again. Who, who could imagine? Uh, and so I'm going to have Johan with me here this afternoon we're going to talk a little bit about air conditioning so if you have a question you can call in 713-212-5874 in particular he can help with your uh, air conditioning questions and such Uh, Johan runs is first of all he's my oldest son he runs our air conditioning department at Due West Air Conditioning he is a professional engineer as well and you know a lot of times people listening to the show get under the impression that I do everything at Due West, and and I don't. Uh, yes, I'm I'm there, and I run day-to-day operations and all that kind of stuff. But I have some great people who actually take care of all the details and, and run things. So like I said, Johan takes care of the uh, AC, but he helps out with foundation and, and other things. Uh, Alton takes care of the plumbing division. Nick runs the uh, foundation division. Uh, Kenny he helps with the estimators to to go through and and check uh, you know what they're designing for repairs. Uh, then we got Eddie who oversees the estimators to to help them with their day to day operations. So it's a team effort with all these guys being on the top to keep the 140 150 people or more that we keep busy every day. And uh, so when this air conditioning thing started coming up, I thought, well, it'd be good to to bring Johan on to talk about air conditioning and how this is ultimately going to affect all of us, not just in the industry, but every homeowner out there. So, Johan, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you. And obviously I've had you fill in for me a time or two when I've been busy doing other things, but... These new policies that are been handed down to all of us as far as how air conditionings are, are going to be calculated and such, uh, not only is that raising prices, but just the, the normal price increases because of, of supply and demand is pushing pricing up as well. Yeah, so there's uh, two parts of that. Part number one is every couple of years the uh, energy uh environmental energy regulations change. They do an analysis on what technologies are out in the industry and currently being utilized, and they evaluate what systems are currently going into people's houses. Is that and, the EPA? Mm-hmm, okay. Yeah, and they'll, they'll make updates to that uh, fairly routinely just to keep up with the technology capabilities of the time and understanding that they don't want to be using more energy than necessary to cool people's houses, just in general across the whole country. So 
they did theirs last time, and they're making changes this year that will affect January 1, 2023. Now, I, I've seen the sheets as far as price increases, and several of the companies are going up anywhere from 11 to 15% in the cost of purchasing units. And I'm talking about companies purchasing the units that got to be sold to to property owners. How much you, of that do you think is attributed to these higher standard uh, that they're putting in place? Um, I don't think it's necessarily attributed to the higher standard itself because what they're what most of the manufacturers are doing are actually just taking their higher rated equipment and that's going to become the new baseline and so and fa- and dumps the older the lower rated stuff exactly and so the newer equipment or the 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 higher level equipment even though that's becoming the new baseline that's also increasing in pricing at the same time so there's there's two steps to that increase okay so where are we going with the SEER ratings, the energy efficiency ratings, what's being dropped? Yeah, so uh, just a brief dissertation of this. EER is energy efficiency rating. What that measures is the amount of energy that it takes to cool a BTU of temperature versus the amount of wattage going into the system to achieve that BTU cooling. So that's energy efficiency rating. That's calculated at 95 degree outside temperature. 80 degree inside temperature with 50% relative humidity. So it's a very prescribed measurement. SEER adds an S on the beginning of EER. Now that calculates for a a fluctuation in outdoor temperature that occurs over the course of an entire year. So you'll have seasons of when it's cooler outside than 95 and parts of the year then it's hotter outside than 95. And so it looks at more of a wave and says that... um, you're you're probably operating a little bit more efficient than just the 95 degree outside on parts of the year. And so right now the baseline in the southern half of the United States is 14 SEER. And in the northern half of the United States is 13 SEER. What's coming, what's actually changing to the SEER rating is the static pressure that's being applied to the system. So when a motor is blowing air throughout the ductwork inside your house, there's some amount of back pressure that's being pushed on that fan to to slow the efficiency of air through that fan. And so they're, they're changing in the lab that static pressure five times higher. And so it's it's bringing down the efficiency of units. And it's, it's trying to simulate more real-world conditions because in real-world conditions, you don't just have a fan blowing straight through a, a straight shaft. It goes through all the duct work and flex duct and everything down through the house and then has and to the get sucked. the ups and downs of the flexible duct. And... Mm-hmm. and then it has to get sucked back through a filter and back through the back end of that system. So this is uh, in an effort to better simulate real-world conditions. But what it's doing is what is currently a 14 sear will now be something more or less 13.2 sear, and what is currently a 16 sear will now be more like 14.3 SEER. So they're they're making that rule change at the same time that they're having to drop the lower SEER rating. So we're going to end up with units that are a heck of a lot more efficient than we've been using. Yes. Yeah, so for American Standard, the brand that we install that I'm most familiar with, 
the current 16 sear equipment needed to be very slightly modified and then we'll qualify for the new uh 2023 regulations okay and that'll be that'll be the bottom unit and for us today us to get one of those is about two grand more than the baseline system so you can imagine that just putting in the the most basic system that we can possibly install starting january is going to be about two grand more expensive than it is today so for somebody who has been putting off changing a system are there still some of the old systems that won't qualify on january 1 available uh we bought one this week so they are still sitting on the shelves the manufacturers cannot sell them after january 1st okay and so their supplies are dwindling uh quickly in certain tonnages so uh it really just depends on the tonnage that you're trying to get at your house whether or not they're even available anymore uh-huh. uh but um we were able to acquire a four ton this week so that they are out there okay so you you mentioned there's a line that north of the line they can actually still use a, a little bit less sear rating than south of the line so are they going to take the units from that are left over and ship them on north or what? Uh, probably not because there there are still some slight things that they had to do. They may be able to reconstruct some of them. Okay. Because there was just like one or two pieces that they had to change out on the uh, on the higher rated systems. Okay. Well, look, I got to take a quick break. There's a lot more Jim Dutton and Texas Home Improvement online at thipro.com. We're talking with Johan. Uh, about air conditioning. Uh, he runs the Due West Air Conditioning Division. And, Johan, before we jump into calls here, the coolants. Now, um, we had a change, I don't know, five, seven years ago in coolants. Now they're messing with coolants again. What's going on? So right now my AC technicians carry five different tanks in their truck. They carry R22, which was the old refrigerant that was used in residentials. Uh, that got done away with primarily as a protection for the ozone because R22, when released into the atmosphere, is very hazardous to the ozone. Right. Uh, so 410A uh, was brought in to replace that. Uh, and that's the primary refrigerant that's found industry-wide right now. There's a different type of refrigerant that's used com primarily in commercial refrigeration. And then there were two replacement refrigerants that we use uh, whenever somebody has an R22 system and uh, so you can't just take R22 out and put 410A and that system can operate. Since R22 is so expensive, you can evacuate a complete R22 system and put in a replacement type that okay. is better for the ozone and so we have two of those in case somebody else has uh, done a replacement one day. Right. Um, so those are the five that you have right now. Uh, they Within, I believe, the next five years or so, they are actually completely phasing out R22, or, or I'm sorry, R410A as the the standard, and it's going to be an even newer type of refrigerant that uh, I believe was done for um, environmental protection as well. And so at this time, because of the changes to the 2023 regulations, a couple of the equipment manufacturers have taken upon themselves to upgrade the refrigerants that they're using to meet whatever the next standard is. But right we don't now. know exactly what the standard is yet, do we? No, it's it's not uh, 
let me put it this way. There has not been a definitive replacement refrigerant defined on okay. what the standard is. But, so they're rolling the dice. Yeah, so now you have, in the next phase of refrigerant technology, there's going to be at least two, if not three, different uh, refrigerants that are replacing 410A. So it's going to be uh, quite a quite an interesting environment then. Okay. Well, you mind if we jump into a couple calls? Absolutely. Heading to Clear Lake. Uh, Stephen, this is Jim. How can we help you? Good. Good to talk with you, Jim. Thank your call screen for allowing me in. Uh, I have two heat pumps in my home. I'd like to know what these new specs and requirements, how they're going to affect heat pumps. Well, that's a great question. Well, generally on the cooling side, a heat pump operates the same as a, a traditional air conditioner. What a heat pump does gain you is... When you're operating the heating mode, then uh, the cycle runs in reverse, and it provides heat across that coil instead of cool across that coil. So in terms of the technology, it's going to be required to maintain the new uh, cooling efficiencies just as air condition normal traditional air conditioners do. Um, in 2023, there is some new... Um, uh, tax credit incentives that are coming out that are essentially designed to help people with the transition to all of this new technology. And so uh, heat pumps are going to be highly incentivized to be replaced uh, s starting sometime in 2023. So the, will the will the heat pump systems be more energy efficient as well then? Yes. So the... EP when, when it's, uh, and, and let me specify, on on the heat mode? On the heat mode, um, well, probably not. They're probably just going to – the the primary changes are to the cooling side of things. Okay. But that being said, uh, heat pumps are definitely more efficient than, say, electric strip heating. Oh, yeah, and without so, question. And so they – at the same time that they're trying to push – new SEER ratings, they're also trying to steer people towards the decisions of doing a heat pump. Can I ask one more question about that? Sure, Steve, go ahead. Um, will people who already have heat pumps and they're simply replacing equipment that's failing or they want an upgrade, do you have a sense for whether those incentives will apply to those kind of people, i.e. me? Uh, I believe so. The All of the rules as far as how uh, the applications are going to be done and how the credits are going to be sent back to you, whether they're in the form of rebates or in the, in, they're in the form of credits that are applied when you're filling out your taxes, have yet to be well-defined. There, there's no like form established for that yet, but um, the, the expectation is that, yes, if you, if you are purchasing a new heat pump system, you will get some amount of credit for that. Whether you so previously had hope. heat pump or not. Correct. Yeah. So there's some hope that if I have to replace it, the increase in cost due to the new specs might be offset somewhat by the tax credit. Yes, sir. Correct. Well, you delivered good news to me. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. Well, Merry Christmas, Stephen. Talking air conditioning uh, in particular today because I've got Johan here with me, and uh, we, we'll still answer other questions. But with new policies coming out from the EPA beginning January 1, of 23 uh, and some other policy changes for next year and rebates hawks and stuff like that uh, it just seemed like a good time to start going over all this stuff so if you have a question on some of the new policy changes 713-212-5874 and 
we're going to just go ahead and jump into the next call. We're going to head uh, to Tom Ball. Linda, how can we help you today? Hello. Um, I have a question. My upstairs unit isn't doing too well, and, and we, we replaced the downstairs unit probably 10 years ago now with an American Standard. Um, but now the upstairs unit's not doing too well, and, and we don't use it that often. But I just wanted to see if it's worth it to go ahead and get a new a new one upstairs. About what, I think it's like, is it two cubic feet? Is that how you do it? Or it's a size two, whatever it is. Um, two ton. Two ton. What would that, about cost, uh, you know, an average cost on something like that for a new, um, a new air conditioner? I guess, do you replace the furnace at the same time? or How old a system is it? Hmm, probably 20, I think we replaced it in 2000, so 22 years old. We My recommendation would be, person. yes, yeah, it, it would be to replace both both systems. Because uh, usually once a, uh, the furnace gets to be, you know, the 20-year age group, it if you're replacing the compressor outside, it's a good time to go ahead and replace the, the heating unit as well. So about how much would something like that cost for a two-ton? Well, well, let me ask you this first. Do you guys normally occupy the upstairs, or is it just uh, used when guests come over? Yeah, exactly. The kids have all moved out, and and so usually it's just when guests come over. But my uh, daughter and son-in-law live in Louisiana, and the last time they were here um, was, of course, in the summertime. And they could only get it down to, I think you said, 77 degrees. Yes, ma'am. And so when it's not being used, do you let the set point get up to maybe 78 or 80 or something like that? Or you'd like to keep it Like 85. Okay. Then going with a code minimum system now is probably uh, no loss to you. So I would say that... Uh, across the board in the Houston area, still 80% of the systems installed are code minimum systems, which is currently the 14th year. Starting next year, it'll be essentially what is now a 16th year. That being said, mm-hmm. that being said, about 60% of uh, Due West customers make the decision to upgrade to the system, the next efficiency up, the 16th year systems, because typically our customers are people who are interested in living in their house long-term. They see the benefit of the payback period for uh, using a system consistently and uh, the lower energy bills that result from that. Uh, But given your type of usage, uh, that it's relatively infrequently used or at a higher set point temperature, you won't see that same payback in the first 10 years of that system's life. And so going with a 14-seer like approximately 20% of our customers do would be perfectly fine for uh, your type of setup there. That being said, okay, that'd be something that would need to be done between obviously now and the end of the year. Uh, price point wise, that depending on if that's a closet installation or an attic installation, depending on what we have attic. would have to do with um, the connections to the return air and the supply air and so forth, those usually are, are in the range of nine to 11 grand now. Okay. And after the first of the year, obviously you're looking at at least two grand more expensive to get the next phase of equipment replacement. 
No, if all it needs is, um, uh, what is that, the chemical that you use to to cool it? Um, the coolant. Freon. 410A. The coolant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would that be? I mean, is that, or is that just, would be ridiculous to do something for a 22-year-old system? Well, uh, charging up a, a system, uh if a system like that is relatively low, like what you were describing, where it can only get down, um, being 22 years old, you're most likely using R22 in your system right now, which costs $183 a pound currently to put in. And charging up a two-ton system, you're looking okay. at uh, maybe seven to nine pounds to be able to recharge that. So what we typically... That's, it, that's oh, wow. if it was completely empty. Yeah, so... Usually, right. when they start being affected by the temperature like that, they maybe only have like one or two pounds left in the in the thing mm-hmm. right. altogether. And so, what we actually usually do if somebody's trying to maintain that equipment because they're just not in a position to replacement to replace it, we mm-hmm. evacuate the entire system. We make the whatever leak repair is, and then we charge it up with one of those replacement refrigerants, which is less expensive than R22 for a full. Uh, uh, service like that, it's normally in the range of $1,200 to get that system back up and running again. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and, and, hmm. and, you know, no more than you're using it. We typically would tell you, hey, here's what it would cost to get this one running again versus the replacement, and, it, and then it's up to you if you want to change it out. But honestly, for what you're doing, if if all it has is a, a coolant level that's low because there's a leak, fix the leak, recharge it and let it keep going wow okay that is quite a bit of difference well i appreciate it i appreciate the information need more texas home improvement go online to thipro.com all right we're gonna head straight back into the calls uh david uh headed to florida huh i am headed i'm truck driver headed to florida but i live in tomball well anyway thank you for taking my call i um inherited I inherited a house in Tomball, and in the past couple of weeks when we had a few cold snaps, I noticed there's certain rooms in the house that are cold, and I concluded that I probably need some added insulation up in the attic, and I was talking with a buddy of mine, and he said, go to one of these little how or home improvement stores and, and rent one of the machines that just chops up paper and sprays it in and i want to get your opinion on that product is what you think about it and then however i do or whatever i do to add the insulation are there any do's and don'ts that i need to know of yeah the first one is don't chop up the paper and put it up there okay uh that is that's known as a cellulose insulation and the the big problem with it is it will degrade over time and start turning to dust and it just creates a dust nightmare in in the house. Uh, I got no problem with you going and renting the machine, but go ahead and blow fiberglass if if you're going to do that type of situation, uh, because fiberglass doesn't set, uh, turn to dust over time. Now, blown okay. in insulation like that will settle over time, and you need to add more insulation. But I'm, you're talking you know ten, fifteen years before you got to worry about that. Uh, because it's the air pockets within the insulation that helps with the R values. And as it settles and you lose air pockets, it becomes less efficient. But uh, like I said, it, it takes quite a bit of 
time for that to happen. But uh, in that same 15-year mark, the when you use the cellulose-type insulation, it's already starting to degrade and turn to dust. Okay, good to know. All righty, thank you. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. We've been talking on air conditioning systems, and Johan, one of the, the things you were talking about was on the rebates. Now, on rebates, a lot of times they have different levels for different uh, – well, the IRS will set different standards for different income levels. Correct. Has there been anything as far as that on these rebates yet that they're talking about? Well, they are expecting different um, rebates for uh, different incomes on this upcoming 2023 season. Okay. Um, and so lower-income housing, if you can prove lower-income status, they're essentially giving – new systems too with the rebates and tax credits that are going to be coming out and then their middle income whatever they deem that next tier is going to be approximately 50 percent worth of that is going to be uh back and i know 500 of that is going to be in a contractor rebate back straight to the contractor and then the rest of it is going to somehow be funneled directly to the homeowner okay so so, in essence, even if somebody does wait and get one of the new systems, they may not be out that full in price increase that we're anticipating. Is that correct? Yes. I, uh, my expectation is that this is uh, designed in a way to ease into these new regulations so that right now people that are able to just squeak in a, a base system yeah. aren't completely left with no options because the the jump is going to be so high right starting next year okay and then as as the the systems go on and the rebates kick in then it'll it'll get better and uh but then the rebates and the tax credits go away and we're all paying the higher price that's right okay uh any other upcoming things that you are aware of well heat pumps specifically uh, fall into a little bit different category on that, and so those are those were actually incentivized this past year, and are they're continuing that incentivization next year, and that will probably continue on a little bit longer than these standard system uh, system incentives are. Okay. And so uh, the EPA really likes heat pumps. So I get the question a lot: uh, Should I go with a heat pump or should I go with gas heat now my answer is always gas heat is mostly because I, I i find gas heat to be more comfortable than than uh the electric and this but if you're an all-electric home you're stuck with going with the the heat pump but well uh, from realistically a, from a consumer perspective when you're just looking at your electricity bill and you're looking at your uh gas energy bill right you are definitely going to come out better by going with a gas furnace okay what the EPA is looking at is obviously more greenhouse gas emissions related and everything else. And so gas furnaces do have uh, particulate blow-off that you don't share when you got a heat pump. So that's their... Except when you're generating your electricity using natural gas like we do in Texas. Yeah, so that that's definitely a, <laughs> a factor in it. But that's 
that's their purpose for pushing people more towards the other way. It's kind of like a dirty tailpipe uh, what's blowing out the top of the roof. Okay. Kind of like the electric cars. We're more concerned with the cars producing, and nobody's looking at where the initial electricity is coming from to begin with. Exactly. Gotcha. Johan, real quick. We got just about one minute left or so. A lot of questions on should I go with a mini split system or ductless system or go back with a conventional air conditioning system or when I'm, when they're building should they they use the mini splits now here in my house I have both mm-hmm. and uh I always tell people you know it depends on the layout but the mini splits are extremely energy efficient here's best case usage for mini split converting a garage closing in a back patio, adding on a new master wing, those things are no-brainers to go with the mini-split versus changing out the main system. Mm-hmm. If you have a well-designed main system with good ductwork that's being changed out, it's going to be very hard to ha- show the payback in a, in a mini-split. And so nine times out of ten, that's going to be replacing with conventional. Now, the some that I have seen recently where we went with a whole house mini split design was houses that have gotten added on hodgepodge or they were built pre central systems. Right. And so everything is kind of weird to begin with those. They make a lot of sense because none of that's really good. And then doing a mini split system becomes advantageous. How about building a new home? Yes. They're done a lot in new homes right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for uh, coming in today and uh, sitting with me and, I appreciate it, and I'll let you get back to your work now. Absolutely. With that, hey, don't forget, THIPro.com. It's there to help you out. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.